Thank you for listening to sermon podcasts from the Anglican Church Noosa. We're looking at some classic psalms for our summer chill series this year. And this sermon is looking at two stanzas from Psalm 119. And the preacher is Linda Johnson. The second reading is Psalm 119, verses 97 to 112, which can be found in your Pew Bibles on page 613. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I may obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much, preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, everyone. I want to start today with some questions. Questions that you might be able to reflect on. What is your personal Bible reading habit? And how is it going? What is your personal Bible reading habit and how is it going? Another way of putting it might be, what is your devotional life like? And how are you sustaining it and supporting it? Do you read the Bible and pray regularly? And in 2024, how might you grow in that? That's some things for you to think about. One of our core values is being Bible-based. And the Bible is a great gift to us, an awesome gift from God. It is his inspired, breathed-out word to us. And as an Anglican church, uh, and therefore part of the historical Anglican world around, uh, around the globe, from the time of the Reformation, our commitment is is huge, absolutely enormous. The 39 Articles, which is one of the founding documents of the Anglican Church, says this about the scriptures. And I'm going to put it in today's language because the 39 Articles were written in 1562. So if I read it exactly as it is written, you'll all be going, what? 
So I'm going to put it in today's language. But this is part of article number six. Holy Scripture contains all things necessary to salvation so that whatever isn't read in them or can't be proved by them is not to be required to be believed or thought necessary. Pretty good? And in many other of the articles, there are numerous references to the requirement of the church and us, we are the church, to uphold what is in the scriptures. The Bible is valuable to us. We've got to love it and read it and learn from it and talk about it together and hear it taught. Now, our psalm today is a psalm that speaks volumes about the value of God's word. And I really encourage you to have it open in front of you. Psalm 119, the portions that we are looking at today is on page 613 in your pew Bibles. Page 613. Be really good to keep referring back to it. Psalm 119, verses 97 to 112. Psalm 119 is the longest of the, of the 150 psalms. It's the longest. It has 176 verses. And it is basically a celebration of God's word, of God's law, of his decrees and his declarations. Now, Psalm 119 as a whole is fascinating. It's divided up into 22 different stanzas. And each stanza has eight verses. So 22 times 8 equals 176. Sound quick on the maths, aren't I? It's called an acrostic psalm. We don't know who wrote it, uh, but whoever it was wrote with great care and attention to detail. The Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. And each of the 22 stanzas of Psalm 119, with their eight verses... Each of the verses in each stanza starts with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet that's part of that stanza. So do you get the idea, the first stanza, the first eight verses, all the verses start with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The last stanza, stanza 22, all its eight verses start with the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet and or the between ones, do you, I think you get the drift. It's fascinating. Now, in English, we don't see any of that detail, which is sad. But it's good to read the psalm knowing that each stanza has the Hebrew letter at the beginning of it. Now, it is believed that the reason this was done was so that it would help people to memorize it. Oh, how the scriptures were loved. It helps them to memorise it. Now, we're only going to be looking at two stanzas today. It's stanzas 13 and 14, and the Hebrew letters are Mem and Nun. So what? <laughs> but I encourage you to check out the whole psalm at home with the alphabet thing in mind. Now, as we read through, as we heard those two lots of eight verses read, I'm sure you would have noticed all the different words used for the way God communicates with his people. 
Of course, for the writer at the time, the Bible was only the first five books of the Old Testament, called the Torah, the Pentateuch, full of history and stories, the forming of the nation of Israel and its peoples, and the laws and the methods and ways God wanted his people to live and to be distinctive because they belonged to him. For us, the Bible that we have now includes that, but so much more as well, so much more of the ways God interacted with his people culminating in Jesus and the growth of the church. But in these two stanzas, there are six words used by the psalmist when he is talking about God's words to us. And on first reading, we might just think that these are simply different words to say the same thing, but they are quite distinct words when we take them apart. And these words are law, commands, statutes, precepts, word, and decrees. So I want to just take some time to look at each of those. So firstly, law. We can find that word in verses 97 and 102, 106, 108, 109. And it's from the verb to give judgment, to make a decision about what is wrong and to make a decision about what is right, to give judgment. That's law. Now, commands is another word used, and that's used in verse 98. Guess what that's about? Doing what you're told. (laughs) Pretty simple. This is what you need to do. Do what you're told. And then we've got statutes. And we can find the statutes being used in verses 99 and 111. And that's from the verb to bear witness. So in his word, God bears witness to himself to his nature and his truth. It's just another slant on this whole big idea. Then we've got precepts. We find that in verses 100, 104 and 110. Now what this suggests is applying the word of God to the small things of life as well as the big. What God says affects the minutiae. So it's basically about lifestyle, how we live, what we do. And then we've got word, and that's in verses 101 and 107. Pretty simple. It's from the verb to speak. It's about what God has himself spoken, whether directly, like to Abraham or through Moses and other prophets. Word, direct speaking. And then we've got decrees, and that's found in verse 112. This one's interesting because that means it's from the verb to engrave. So it points to something graven in stone. And when something is graven in stone, it lasts a long time, doesn't it? So it's about perpetuity. It's sticking around for a long time. So the psalmist is talking here as he goes on and, and, and talks about these six ways of hearing what God is saying to us. 
He's talking about his response and interaction with God's law, with his commands, with his statutes, his precepts, his word, his decrees. And I want us to look at the responses and the interactions that the psalmist has. I want to look in four ways. Firstly, I want us to think about the emotion of it, the feelings. Now, sometimes Christians are told that feelings are bad. Don't rely on your feelings. Feelings can change. It's the facts that matter. Just focus on truth. Now, that's very true, and I'm not denying that sometimes feelings can be a problem. But the psalmist here uses language that is full of emotion, feelings. It is very clear that he is passionate about what he's on about. Look at verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Love is a powerful emotion and he is aligning this with how he feels about God's law. He loves it. What other emotions can we find? Well, look at verse 104. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Because he so passionately loves God's law, he hates everything else that is wrong, everything that is against God's law. And isn't that true? When we love something, we hate it when something happens to that, when something threatens it. And there's another emotion as well in verse 111. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Love, hate, joy. These are the emotions of someone who is passionate about God's ways. He not only believes and knows these things, he feels it. And he feels it deeply. So that's the first of the responses and interactions, emotion, the feels. Secondly, there are the descriptors. How are these things described? Well, the descriptors that I can find are very clear. There doesn't appear to be any ambiguity in what the psalmist is saying. Look at verse 98. We get the idea that God's commands are constant. What does it say there? Always with me constant. Verse 103, they are sweet. What a beautiful description. God's words are sweet to the taste, even sweeter than honey. Now, as someone who has always loved honey, I resonate with this descriptor really, really well. Honey on my toast, <clears throat> honey on crumpets, double, double, double thumbs, that's so good. Honey on carrots, mm. honey cake, it's all pretty good in my book. So for God's words to have that same response in the vocabulary of the psalmist is amazing. Your words are like honey. How many of you have walked through the bush and there's been some bush bees around and you walk under a tree and you can smell it? Got to look up, where, where is that hive? But there's also the descriptors of a light and a lamp. Verse 105. If you've been a Christian 
a while. Perhaps when you were young, you had some memory verses. Who, who used to learn memory verses when they were young? Yeah. I'm sure Psalm 119 verse 105 was one of them. Is that right? Yes. I see heads nodding everywhere. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And then there was that beautiful Amy Grant song. I'm not going to sing it. But your word is a light to my feet. The lights they used to use, though, were not high beam headlights where you could see hundreds of metres in front of you. Nor were they a widespread wash light on the stage of a play. The lights they used to use were small little wicks coming out of a pottery holder a bit like this, but not with a big candle like this. It was a little wick. And it gave you just enough light for the small area around you. And you couldn't see further unless you took a step into what you could see. Then you saw the next bit to take the next step. It's a beautiful image of God being close and showing you the way every step. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. You take the light with you and the path becomes visible. And another descriptor I can find is one of heritage. Verse 111, he says, Your statutes are my heritage forever. Heritage looks backwards in order to see forwards. What a great descriptor of how God works and who he is. Amazing. So we've had the feelings and we've had the describing. Thirdly, I want us to look at the actions that these things bring about. What does this actually make us do? What did it make the psalmist do? Well, I can find four things. Meditate, learn, praise and commit. Verses 97 and 99 put it beautifully. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Friends, take time. Take time. Don't rush. Let God's words soak through you. Verse 102, I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. And 104, I gain understanding from your precepts. These are the words of a learner. You have taught me. I gain understanding. These are the words of someone who seeks out truth and sits under it. But the psalmist also praised. In verse 108, he says, Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. All these things are interconnected. This is how the psalmist responded. And these were the actions taken because of the fullness of the feelings and how this relationship is described. He meditated, he learnt, he praised, he was committed. Verse 101, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. Verse 102, I have not departed from your laws. Verse 106, I have taken an oath 
and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. He was committed. The emotion is shared through descriptions which bring action. And lastly, what are the results? What change takes place? What happens to a life that sees God's word in this way? Well, it brings wisdom and insight and understanding and obedience. And verses 98 through to 101 sum it up well. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. Wisdom, insight, understanding and obedience. But I find one more as well. And that is longevity. Look at verse 112. The last one in the stanzas that we're looking at. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. To the very end. Wisdom, insight, understanding, obedience and longevity. These are the results of a life that loves God's law. Praise him. Hey? A simple yet profound Hebraic acrostic psalm tells us a lot. And that's just two stanzas. As I read this psalm, it points me to the one who truly and fully lived this out. It speaks to me of Jesus. The one who lived out God's word, who listened and obeyed God's decrees, who fulfilled God's purposes all his life. Although the wicked set a snare for Jesus, as he did for the psalmist, he didn't stray from God's precepts. As the psalmist suffered, he suffered much, but the Lord preserved his life. Does this make you want to be even more Bible-based in your Christian living? Are you glad that that is one of our core values? I began by asking some questions. What is your personal Bible reading habit? And how is it going? What is your devotional life like? And how are you sustaining and supporting it? Do you read the Bible and pray regularly? 2024 is underway, you know, it's February this week. How might you grow in your Bible reading and prayer in 2024? If any of you want to talk about how that might happen, Chris or I would be very happy to have some time with you. Or you could talk with somebody who is a connect group leader or somebody who's already part of a connect group. Or if you're not in a connect group, you could get into a connect group. What might happen? What beautiful new things will open up for you 
if you do that and grow in loving God's word in 2024. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Amen. The Anglican Church Noosa is an evangelical Anglican church on the northern end of the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. Our vision is living to love and proclaim Jesus. Our core values are being Christ-centred, Bible-based, spirit-led and mission-shaped. If you have found this sermon helpful and would like to contribute to the ongoing ministry of ACN, please go to our website, anglicanchurchnoosa.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening.